2: Welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, Fanuary, the podcast that this January pits two movies with something in common picked by fans of the show and puts them in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we were in a hell of a nest with the Untouchables, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> and today we're saying hanks for the memories as we head back to 2002 and take the long road to perdition.
0: Connor, is there something you would like to say about last night? I'd like to apologize for what happened. Especially to you, Paul. Two weeks and a month. What can I say? We lost a good man last night. You think it's funny? Try again. I'd like to apologize.
2: So which film will we be toasting the success of and which will remain prohibited will have a winner at the end of the show. So let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles.
0: Release the Kraken.
2: Hello, Clash Butters. There are only murderers on this podcast. Open your eyes. I'm Alex Zane. I'm
1: Vicky Grumpton. I'm Chris Tilly.
2: And part two of our fourth and final Clash of the Titles, Fanuary, And it's the Prohibition Punch Up that is The Untouchables versus Road to Perdition. As you well know, one film will be declared the winner in the verdict at the end of this show. Once again, Chris, who do we have to thank for this pairing? Mr. Chris Bowman. Uh, thank you, Chris. Great pairing. Great pairing. We're enjoying this. We're enjoying this. I, I hope you are, Chris. I hope we're doing two of your favourite films a justice justice being oh, a theme in both mm, films great yeah you're welcome uh, all right then as I said on Monday, there is still time to get your own pairing in. If you do have a clash you'd like us to do in February, Fanny, then email us to clash to show at clashpod.com with a reason why you'd like it.
3: Yeah, because we were after uh, Valentine's
2: one. Oh, we still. So, so and we kind of we kind
3: here. of picked one, didn't we, the other day? But oh God, one came in this morning, Al. We're going to have to speak about it afterwards. Oh, really? It was very good. Oh, I like that. Mm. I like that. I've Anti- told Vicky, and she said, so we'll still do the one we had planned, but mm. maybe we'll switch up because uh, it's good.
1: Mm, it is, really.
3: Really good. Is it really good? Yeah, and yeah. it's
2: oh yeah, and it it's more messed up. Okay, good because <laughs> that's what we want. We want an anti-Valentine's yeah. weekday movie clash. Great, fine, <laughs> fantastic. Right, should we get into road and position? All right, here we go. On Monday, we were home alone in The Untouchables. So today, don't hank me yet as I take, <laughs> as I take you is that, on is a that, journey. It is doesn't that, work. Does wank?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: when I, I wrote it, I didn't realise what it sounded <laughs> like. But yes, <laughs> don't hank me yet. <laughs> it's going to be that good, this show. You'll, by the end, you'll be like, how can I hank him?
1: Jesus. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh... What a day.
2: <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. I'm taking you on a journey. Get ready. Michael Sullivan is a bad man. No two ways about it. He kills people. So when the opening question of your film is... Was he a decent man? The answer is no. No, he's not. But rather than end there, 30 seconds in, we have another two hours that just cement the point that Michael is not decent. He knows this, though, and Michael is desperate for his eldest son, Michael, to not grow up like him. If that's the case... Probably go with a different name than Michael. You're asking for trouble. Anyway, after wayward son of crime boss John Rooney kills his wife and son, Michael, still desperate for his son not to turn out like him, enlists the boy as a getaway driver in a series of bank heists, which he has to do because... (laughs) Before he finally kills everyone he said he'd kill and assumes that because his son doesn't fire a gun at the end, he will definitely not turn out like him feels optimistic at best. Clash Putters, for your consideration, The Road to Perdition. So, histories with this movie. I'll start. First watch for me. Uh, never really fancied it, uh, largely because I read some sort of average-y reviews at the time, and also just the poster. It's, mm. it's weird when you see a poster and you go, oh, I'm probably not going to watch that. And then I saw the trailer and it just looked... You know, I struggle with gangster movies anyway. They're like, not my favourite genre. We discussed it on a couple of the episodes we've done about gangster movies. And this one, it just looks so sombre and not what I look for in a movie genre that I already
3: am not that into. I like a bit of fun. Mm. So it just didn't appeal. So this was a first watch. Chris? Went to the cinema to see it. I was super excited. Uh, Sam Mendes' second film. Tom Hanks playing a baddie for the first time. ish. Um, ish. You've just said he's a villain. I know, but we'll talk about it. Uh, so, yeah, I was well up for it. And I went and saw it and was moved by it. I thought it looked beautiful. And i uh, it's a slow burn, obviously. But then I was quite moved to come the ending. So, yeah, I thought we'd make an interesting pair with this one. So, good shout, Chris. Yeah.
1: See. It's a first watch. I agree with you about the poster. I never thought of it because... It's just
2: the rain and the darkness no, and such yeah. obscured face. It's like he's Mr. Cinema. Put his face in it.
1: Yeah, and I think with these films, I, you know, I love it when you are, you know, it's a, it's, a t- it's an exercise in time travel, like, untouchables. You feel like you're there, even though it's very popcorn-y and a bit silly. Mm. You are there and you want the poster to go, you can be here again kind of thing and you don't really get to see anything, do you? No. I just, yeah, I thought, I mean, this is so childish. I thought it looked a bit boring. So I've never... Ugh been that bothered and I didn't really even know that much about it I knew who the top you know the big sort of the big star was but I didn't know of all the supporting I didn't even know Paul Newman was in it uh, which is a bit embarrassing but anyway I loved it that's uh, so, because you
3: thought it was Steve McQueen exactly
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just look so alike <laughs> they do it's it's like, just inhabit the same yeah face. completely
2: completely <laughs> and for more on that listen to our Towering Inferno episode
1: <laughs> anyway I thought it was brilliant it's just so classy so there we go I'm just mm. going to say
2: Okay. Got, right now. Okay. Good. Good. Removing that jeopardy. I no, like not
1: removing it because I was clear Oh, you did. Yes. You, you
2: like the Untouchables as well? All yeah. right. Cool. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. I thought we were just going back to old V as opposed to this <laughs> new improved V on Monday. Who just threw jeopardy she around? Has, she says she Willy hasn't nitty. written a verdict yet because yeah. she
3: wasn't sure. Oh, of course. Yeah, I
2: forgot. Congratulations, Jeopardy is back. <laughs> Let me tell you a bit about this movie. So, our story begins uh, when Max Allen Collins writes the graphic novel Road to Perdition, which comes out in 1998. Before you even ask me, Chris, no, I haven't read it. Have either of you? No. No. Okay. By the end of this little bit about the behind the scenes on the film, I kind of want to read it. I should have probably done it before the episode, but I'm going to read it in future because it sounds very good. I'll explain more in a moment. So... Max Allen Collins' agent thinks it could be a good movie and it reaches producer Dean Zanuck, son of the legendary Richard Zanuck. Dean then sends it to Steven Spielberg, who likes it but is too busy to direct it, but sets it up at DreamWorks, who sends it to Sam Mendes, who is looking for a follow-up to his hugely successful American Beauty. And Mendes loves it. He's like, yes, this graphic novel is something I would like to do. He likes the story's theme about how children deal with violence. And whether the exposure to violence would render children violent themselves, describing the script as having no moral absolutes, a factor that appealed to him.
1: Is that, is that the theme of the film?
3: I'm quite caught
2: that. Do you know? Yeah, apparently that's the theme. <laughs> so, uh, Max Allen Collins wanted to adapt his own novel. They wouldn't let him. They said no. They said No. Bastards. Yeah. So, writer David Self does a draft uh, that is very true to the graphic novel. He previously, like, probably his biggest movie at this point was Yander the Haunting remake.
3: Right. Not well liked.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no. Fine. We should do that, actually. With But what? With the original Haunting? No, Haunting on Hill House came out. Oh, like my the same. God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would oh. be fun.
2: Oh, I'm removing the Jeopardy from an episode we haven't even recorded yet. <laughs> 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 so. Uh, David Self does get sole credit uh, on the film, uh, despite the script being rewritten by numerous uncredited writers who take it further and further from the source material, including the addition of Jude Law's character, Maguire, not in the graphic novel and there in the movie, to provide a constant threat to Michael and Michael. Mm. So Sam Mendes describes the novel as a bit more pulpy. Uh, For example, in the novel, Michael is known as the angel of death, to <laughs> cool. make him really intimidating. And it's way more violent. But Mendes said, and I'm quoting here, he wanted his film to have a non-verbal simplicity. Okay. Uh, so he was referencing movies like Once Upon a Time in America and films by Akira Kurosawa, and he liked their lack of dialogue. And despite the changes to his novel, Max Allen Collins likes the finished film. His only issue was he wanted, um, in his novel... It's Michael as an adult narrating the story. Mm. And he's gone on to become a priest. And he's looking back on his childhood. Whereas in this movie, it's obviously child, Mm. Michael, yeah, Still narrating it—it's
1: problematic because at the end he's like, "And I turned out fine." But what do you mean? Exactly. You're 16 when you're doing this, right. and you're what 12 in the thing. So it's, four years later, you're fine.
2: I mean, I don't want to go early on my change, but yeah. Max Allen is fundamentally right. Yeah, of course. It's like you—you you need him to have lived his life and become yeah. a priest. So you're like, oh, so he didn't follow his father's footsteps? Yeah. Not like, well, you're just saying like, yeah, I just sort of came off the back of uh, watching my dad die, <laughs> yeah, and, my uh, whole family, a lot of death, a lot of death. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I live I'm, on this farm now. So. <laughs> I'm definitely going to turn out all right. Don't you worry about me. <laughs> Question questionable uh casting wise hanks has sent the graphic novel initially while he was filming castaway he says he can't make sense of it and then he got david's self-script and understood it and said he wanted to do it i just got this guy if you're a man and you've got offspring emotionally it's devastating okay
3: <laughs> hanks's words okay don't go for
2: hanks
1: <laughs> i know i'm sure yeah, i can my see fucking...
3: your face. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I think I read it somewhere else, him saying that he thought the theme of the film was can a man who has been bad achieve redemption through his child?
1: I, I can I help think with the, that. No. The theme no. of the film, I thought it was about abusive relationships. So we've all got a different mm. take on it. Like Mike Sullivan Senior is the way he is because of his dad, mm. his proxy dad, Paul Newman. And he's almost passing it on to his own son, and then he doesn't. And it's about emotional abuse and yeah. gaslighting. Yeah, it's and... about
3: fathers and sons, isn't yeah. it? As in that, it's, it's two fathers and three sons, isn't it? Yes. Um, but Michael isn't. <laughs> Sorry, what? nothing. I was going to say I was going to make a crass joke, but I'm not going. To... <laughs> no,
2: do it. <Okay>. Okay. <laughs> Paul Newman was the only person they asked to play John Rooney. This is his last live action movie.
3: What a way to go out, though. Mm. It's a. It's it's a th- brought down by Tom Hanks and a Tommy Gun. Mm, <laughs> it's a beautiful way to go and it's it's a it's a good meaty role for him as well. Yeah. He's but he can bring all his gravitas to this. Yeah. And some of Steve McQueen's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whoever Yeah, he is. I mean I was going to talk about it later cuz he got an Oscar nomination. He was the only member of the cast to get an Oscar nomination for best supporting actor. I think he's good here. I don't know that I'd say it's sort of an Oscar-worthy performance even as a nomination. It mm. it doesn't
1: feel like Did Sean Connery it, get nominated for an Oscar? He as, won. As, as Sean Mul- Connery won for from Malone, Malone. Yeah. did he? Yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, did we not discuss this? I there? touched.
2: Look, I touched upon it. You
1: said it, that clip where he's in the church. Yeah,
3: it was in the news before he won and after he won. I didn't
1: realize he'd won. Mm. I don't think he's that good. Like it's a... well, none of us picked him, did we? No,
3: as the MVW. I think, I the, think he is good. I he think does. The script
1: is. Good. I think he gets given fucking awesome lines to say, and he's very good at saying them. Mm. But there's nothing sort of else. Whereas it's only it's it's a you know it's slim pickings, but that scene with Paul Newman when he's asking his son to apologise and he's like try again, try again you can give the man an Oscar for that He's fucking yeah. amazing but there's not enough of those moments it's a little bit thin on the ground I think for winning an Oscar but then if Sean Connery won then what the fuck yeah. I'll do be honest this
2: would really
3: have been great chat for Monday's episode by the sure. way <laughs> we're well, bringing it back around every now and then the Academy does give a nomination to someone who might not be the best performer but is coming to the end of their career sure. yep. and they're like "Oh, just in case
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just in case you're on this big screen next year instead <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be in
2: colour or black and white? Yeah, this year? exactly. <laughs> sure. Uh, Stanley Tucci wasn't sure about taking the role as Frank Nitti in this uh, because he believed Hollywood stereotyped Italian Americans as gangsters, but. He wanted to work with Mendez. He's, so he's
1: brilliant saying, yes. in
2: this. He's great. I mean,
3: Sally Tucci is almost brilliant in almost everything. Yeah. Yes. That was my one joyful surprise this time was he's the only actor I'd forgotten was in it. I mm. very much remember Daniel Craig was in this, but it was it was such a lovely surprise to see him. And as you said, Vicky, a slightly different Frank Nitti.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Doesn't dress as well as Frank
2: Nitti in so, the bit Untouchables. A bit Seem more like Italian. Mm. <laughs> and, and he looks a bit more like the real Frank Nitti. <laughs> Uh our friend from Empire Records just the other week Anthony Lapaglia yeah. was cast in this movie as Al Capone. But uh, interesting. He had his scene cut. So they went to he, in, he was in prison though. In real life. Yeah. He Capone. Said, oh, Capone was in the in the in the timeline of mm. this film. No, well, not as far as the scene in question goes. Because, so they went to Alfred Molina and said, do you want to do it? And he couldn't do it from scheduling reasons. So they went to Anthony Paglia and he said, yes, I'll do it. And you can watch the scene on YouTube and he's not in prison. He's It's a, it's a fantastic scene uh, where he's, um, you know, he's basically saying the things that we only sort of hear about off screen where Capone said this, Al said this, Al said that. And it's him faced with, actually, do you know what? I'll tell you about what happens in the scene when it fits into the actual script because it makes a lot more sense then suffice to say you can find it on youtube it was cut uh, because mendez felt it was more menacing to have al capone off screen i don't think that's true i don't think al capone comes across as menacing at all in this but the scene where he's actually in where he's played by Le Paglia, is great
1: oh, i feel sorry for anthony Le Paglia. Yeah, yeah it's a
2: really because it's a great character to play yeah and he does it really well he's very different to de niro in the untouchables mm. but he, so good anyway on youtube uh so Nominated for six Oscars, including Paul Newman, uh, one for Best Cinematography. Did all right at the box office, £180 million on an $80 million budget, but not nearly as well as Mendez's previous film. I didn't realise how much money American Beauty made. But it was just
1: the biggest thing in the world. Yeah,
2: it really was. Uh, £15 million to make, uh, nearly £400 million at the box office. <laughs> all right, any more for any more? No. Shall we go through this movie then? Mm-hmm. OK, so... We get that cool opening shot on the waterfront. Uh, Water apparently being a theme in this movie. I wouldn't have picked up on that, but... I mean, it's raining a lot. (laughs) It's raining a lot. And there's a lot of stuff about the sea. And it all comes from Mendez doing some research. You know that great scene, which I think you mentioned it on, was it Monday, where you see something in a movie you've not seen before? Yeah. The coffin at the wake yeah. with all the ice oh, the around ice round I it. loved it. It's yeah. great, isn't it? Yeah. It looks like a seafood bar at an airport, but... <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford them, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> in the weather season. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Mendes found out that that's what they did at Wakes in the 1930s, and so he made this connection of water and death. And uh, again, I'm going to quote here, because uh, this quote involves a word that I've never said before. The linking of water with death speaks of the mutability... Of water and links it to the uncontrollability of fate. These are things that humans can't control. Cool. That's Mendez for you. So, voiceover at the top. Is Michael Sullivan a decent man or not? <laughs> Does it pass the voiceover test
1: fee Uh yeah, because Ooh. it's quick. Mm. Um and it's a bit like now let me show you my story kind of thing. It's we see so much terrible, terrible voiceover that I think it's made me super harsh. Mm. Maybe Um, it's
2: because you are seeing Daniel Craig in this movie and the last movie you saw with Daniel Craig in that we talked about has about 10 minutes of voiceover at the top. Oh my God, that piece of shit. (laughs) What do you think of this question? I mean, I sort of made a joke out of it at the top. It's about, can a man find his redemption?
1: This is so tricky because you've cast Tom Hanks. Mm. So we're all going, oh, it's Tom Hanks. And he relentlessly murders a lot of people. For money. uh, For money. And he's done it his whole life, ostensibly. And yet... He's he is a bad person, but even they go to so much effort to go. But he's actually okay, apart from the casting. So at the wake, when Kieran Hines is like mouthing off about Rooney, a Finn about Rooney, and he's and Tom and Mike's like, come on now, enough! Like you did a good thing there, Mike. And it's like, well, you can you have it both ways?
2: I think it sort of makes it go. Well, he had no choice. he would oh, been yeah, he'd yeah, have been yeah. on the street if uh, Rooney hadn't taken him in and yeah. given him money, and then he has to do these missions.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
3: Yeah, I think he thinks he's... We've dropped into this story the moment that he realises that he has to pay the piper. Mm. He, he's thinking, you know, Rooney's helped him. He's helped Rooney and he's done some terrible things to do that and he's just lived a life where he thinks he can get away with it, whereas deep down he knows he can't. And and so And so the moment we meet him is him starting to do the right thing. And so you just have to buy into the fact that he... Is he starting to do the right thing? No, that later. I mean, later that day, I guess. I mean, he's only
2: starting to do the right thing after his wife and a second child are murdered. It doesn't seem like it's not a choice he's made. He's like, oh my God, you know what? To bring this boy up properly, I need to change my ways. Aren't
1: you saying that? But I'm asking, like, when um, Connor murders Finn it's Mike Senior saying you shouldn't be doing this like because he keeps saying we're just going to go and talk mm. to him. So he's, is that him trying to do the right thing I think prior so. to his family getting yeah, killed?
3: I think so. But no, I think you're right as well, Alex. I mean, it, it's not it's not the right line, is it? That, that the, the, the fact that he was a good man. He was not a good man. No. Uh, but little Michaels
2: are wrong as well because he steals from a pharmacist, uh, smokes a pipe on a bike. <laughs> just the weirdest image. Different time. But, I mean, <laughs> difficult as well. Yeah, I mean, smoking a pipe on a bike. <laughs> Surely that tobacco, you're going to get embers blown back you've into never, your little face. You've never bike-piped. <laughs> uh, and we get a window into the Sullivan home life, and it's nice. They get on their happy family. Uh, little Peter <laughs> has a snowball fight with his brother Michael. Mum Annie, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, looks on adoringly. We see Hanks come home, get out his gun. Michael sees this, so we know his dad. Is a wrong one. Now we're off to this wake. I love this wake scene. Mm. Um, it's amazing. It's for Danny McGovern, Finn's brother. Uh, we get the coffin on ice. Never seen that before. Love that. Paul Newman shows up as John Rooney. Um, this whole speech he gives at the funeral is just, I think, you know, what Sam Mendes said at the start about non verbal, I can't remember what he said, but about using images and reactions and you just learn so much about what a powerful man John Rooney is in this sequence. He's great. Mm.
1: He is amazing,
2: yeah. Uh, we met, meet uh, Connor, his uh, wayward son. Uh, great introduction for him. Uh, smoking, looking evil, sweating a lot.
1: But doing nothing and saying, I'm busy, come back later. Yeah, That's yeah. Like... Was, he, was he doing drugs? I, I think so, because he's got yeah. big saucer eyes yeah. like He can't tell the kids apart. I hate the line where the where Peter says, "Why are you laughing? Because everything's hilarious." So like, fucking hysterical. Jesus Christ, that's bad. But I think he is. I didn't see him take drugs, but he seems like he's just sketchy, mm. sweaty, can't keep a hold of the truth. Like I, I thought he was using drugs. Yeah. In
3: terms of his casting, Mendez said, I wanted a relative unknown so the audience wouldn't know from the first moment that he was going to be a central player. I felt if this character were to work, he would almost have to creep up on the audience. Danny is dark, brooding and hugely charismatic, but there is also a great vulnerability there. I knew when I met him that he was the right man for the job. And... I don't, you know, watching this film, I thought he was good, but he didn't stand out in any way. It's interesting. Really? I did Lay Cakes the first time. You were like, oh, this. I mean he did a couple of really good dramas as well but it's like oh this is a movie star. I
2: oh, don't know I think it's cuz
3: I mean I really
2: first sort of became aware of Daniel Craig when he became Bond. And so to go back to this before he was Bond I actually much prefer him in this. Like I don't find Bond a very interesting character full stop anyway I think it's quite limiting for an actor in terms of what they can do with that but here I think he's great.
1: I think he's I think his introduction is amazing. I was like bloody hell you forget I know him from Our Friends in the North. Mm. And he's amazing in that. But he is sketchy in that, ultimately, like in sort of strung out. Um, his introduction, I was like, Jesus, you forget how good you are. And then it just, I don't think it just gets away from him a little bit.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, he's got a couple of other moments that I'm we'll talk about. I'm surprised you didn't know him from Tomb Raider, Alex. I thought that oh, was, would have been your...
2: Was that pre this? Yeah. yeah. Pre yeah. Bond as well. Yep. Okay, maybe I did then. Maybe <laughs> I did. But I guess I just, you know, I keep banging on about how great it is <laughs> that we see Daniel Craig making movies that are Bond now.
1: Yeah. I think oh he's yeah,
2: good. of course. Um... So, we yeah, get confirmation. I think what's happened here, so Danny, Finn's brother, there's a lot of people talked about off screen here, yeah. but Danny is Finn's brother and he's been killed by Michael or by Connor
3: or I'm not sure Mike, who's th- killed I, him. Well, uh, John, is it John? Yeah. Yeah, Paul John, Newberg. John's ordered it and I think Michael's done it. Right, yeah. I couldn't work what, out. It's not, well, it's because they're not making it that clear, but mm. I, that's what I thought they were alluding to. Uh, but we get uh, confirmation of what you've just said uh, when Kieran Hines
2: uh, as Finn hits this this trope that I think I've seen in so many gangster movies where yeah. someone it goes too far starts, yeah, yeah. starts I think the good Goodfellas we've got a scene yep. like this yeah. so a, a casino people start saying too much publicly and yeah. then get bundled out of a room and really <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. it's such a trope it's very of gangster satisfying movies. though yeah it's great yeah. it's great. Uh, we've got uh, Hanks and Newman playing piano and we see Daniel Craig grinning saying the line that you don't like because it's like also it. fucking hysterical. It's too
1: dark night, no, don't like it. <laughs> it is, I'm sorry, if you don't like yeah, don't do it if you can't do it.
2: But it's there, I guess, to introduce the idea that Connor is jealous of John and Michael's yeah. relationship as his mm. surrogate son. Uh-huh. Uh, We get a bit of backstory now. Hank's had no father. Uh, John Rooney looks after him. Peter has a nightmare and young Michael explains that their dad goes on missions for Mr. Rooney. Sometimes the president sends him on missions too. I struggled with that line because I didn't quite know what it meant. Is he lying to his younger brother to
1: make him... I think it's just his imagination. Okay. He's just filled in a lot of gaps for himself. I I just thought it was so his life gets progressively a lot worse for, mm. for Junior. But it's such a sweet thing to think mm. of explaining why has your dad got a gun? Go why... He's very taciturn as well. You think about the the opening scene. I love the direction. Like the uh, Mike Senior is in the bedroom and it's like the literal distance between father and son. Like He's quite far down the hallway and he says, dinner's ready. And he says, thank you. Mm. And he doesn't go any nearer to his dad. He can't get any nearer than down the hallway. Mm. And then obviously they grow physically closer as the movie continues. That's absolutely
2: true. I think they did that... Like Mendez did that. He wanted to keep him at distance yeah. to show the distance between father and son. So he's
1: just filled in these gaps. Why would a man have a gun? Why would a man go on missions? The president sends him. Like, it's just oh. a sweet little. Charming. Or he's the Lone Ranger. Or yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about that uh, shortly. Uh, so uh, we find out that Mum Annie knows what her husband does, uh, and we're off to see Kieran Hines Finn with Connor and Michael. Uh, like you said, Michael delivers one of the least convincing. We're just going to talk to him right <laughs> in the fucking history of cinema. Daniel Craig doesn't even try. Look, he goes, Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I'm going to kill him. And then you're going to kill people. I'm James Bond, <laughs> it's what I do. I've got a license for this shit. I, I, I mean, I, I could lie to you, Michael, but I'm going to shoot him within five minutes of being in there. And you're going to have to kill people. Yeah. You have to
0: sort it out. So much
2: blood, Michael. So much blood. But we are just going to talk to him, right? Yes, whatever helps you sleep at night. Sure, (laughs) sure. Uh, But little Michael is hiding under the seat. So when Connor shoots uh, Finn, oh God, so many names. um, It's because he's actually fiddling the books and has let Danny take the rap. This is going to be something that comes up later. Uh, Just on a stylistic front.
3: It's a cool slow-mo gunshot where he blows Finn's head off. Mm-hmm of it all of this I love the way it's shot because you, you, you've gone from a gangster movie to so this whole sequence feels like you're in a film noir mm. Yeah, um, it's, it's just beautifully done yeah
2: so uh, old Michael sees young Michael finds out that he's seen everything and says you're not to speak to anyone about this um, Connor turns up sees the kid very clever line here where he goes is he one of yours yeah i didn't realize until obviously i got a bit further into it but that's to establish when he kills peter he thinks he's killed michael mm. cuz he just doesn't recognize and, and, is it at, the and wake at the start as well? yeah vicky yeah. 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 mentioned it at the wake yeah. as well uh, so uh, John Rooney shows up at Michael's house and just makes sure that younger Michael is going to keep his word, not tell anyone. Uh, then that scene that you talked about, Connor being made to apologise in front of the room full of people for killing Finn. Oh, oh it's so good. He doesn't. Daniel
1: like Greg's very good in it. To be fair, mm. I just liked him off. But it's it's just like if you've got Paul Newman in your film, like it's it's just kind of enough to have him there, isn't it? Everyone's like, oh, great, you know, he's mm. he's obviously he's got such a long history, but let him do some big acting. And it's just it's quite restrained, but it's clearly so furious. And he doesn't. He's not a big man either. He doesn't. He doesn't look like a brawler, like you said about Alcoa. He looks like quite a refined gentleman. Uh, but he is obviously terrifying.
3: And, and he goes out of focus here, and then comes back into focus. And I think that's to suggest that he's thinking, and then he's made the decision. Yeah. Once we're back in focus, he's going to go and kill this family.
2: You know, I might, I might change my mind about him not deserving an Oscar nomination for this because the more I think about some of these little moments that he has, mm. they're really good. Mm. There's another one coming up, but. Connor being made to apologize reinforces his jealousy of his father's relationship with Mike. He's been activated into kill mode. <laughs> Craig sets up Hanks with a fake message about Tony Calvino. Uh, I guess because Michael is an obedient servant, he doesn't think to read the note, even though Connor goes, this is definitely what it
1: is. It's quite convoluted, isn't it? Because you could just get a message to Tony anyway, go and kill Mike. Sure. But to have him deliver his own death note is quite theatrical.
2: Yeah. So the note actually reads, kill Sullivan and all debts are paid. It's a good scene where he kills him. Yeah,
3: you should just say kill the messenger. Yeah. It's, the, it's the one of the few times you can use that
2: and it means something.
1: <laughs> it's literal. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you who I really
3: like. The guy who's really chatty, the really nice
1: oh, guy. Oh, yeah, he wants like, a job. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I could
2: be a bodyguard yeah. and all that. He's an actor called Charles Weiss, and any Die Hard with a Vengeance fans will recognise him as the bomb expert from that movie, in which he almost steals every scene he's in and that. He's so <laughs> good in it. Oh. And he's really likeable in that as well, really likeable here. So, big moment. Connor kills Mum and Peter. Oof. Oof. How do you feel about that?
1: I think it's very well done. Um I think just the fact that she turns around to shield him, even though that's not gonna oh. do any good whatsoever. But it, and the thought of that as well, like it like passing through her, it's it's grim, but it's mm. good.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. Um a little confused about what Connor's plan here is. So he knows he hasn't killed Michael.
1: No, I don't think he does know that.
2: Well, he does No, sorry, older Michael. He knows he hasn't killed oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, so annoying, Sam Mendes, calling two characters Michael Just and call, then making me the talk about your junior. film.
1: call the kid Junior. Junior.
3: Yeah. Mm. We well, named him. the dog in Indiana. <laughs> 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 I mean, I called him Junior in my notes. Didn't you, it it did you, It seemed you know, simple. Know, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, the solution,
2: you're there. absolutely right. Junior it is, sure. So he knows he hasn't <laughs> killed Michael. Uh, he thinks he's killed Junior and Mum. Yeah. Um... What does he think? He thinks Michael's
3: obedience to his father is going to prevent him from coming after him. He's a a fuck-up in a drugged-up rage, having just been humiliated by his dad. I don't think he's thinking straight. He is just... This is the idiot that we know we're understanding him to be. Sure. So he hasn't thought this through. Right. Uh, So... Another scene where, again, I think maybe he
2: does deserve the Oscar nomination. I'll take it back. Uh, where Newman is furious with mm. Connor for what he's done and mm. starts hitting him it's and hitting him, yeah. him and then Cursing it him. turns into a hug. Mm. And you realize that blood, family blood, is stronger than any relationship he has with Michael. And even though he loves Michael more or more, Michael, sorry, he doesn't love him more. Michael's a much better person. It's still his real son. Yeah. So. God I help think. us.
3: <laughs> mm. God and that, help and that's us. coming hot on the heels of Michael discovering his dead family and just hearing Hank's wail off screen. Ugh. I don't want I don't want to hear Tom Hanks have to do <laughs> that. <laughs> it's not like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a dinosaur. <laughs> but we've got
3: what we've got here is the crime boss whose fucked up son, kills something his best assassin loves putting them all on a collision course mm. yes John Wick stole a lot from this
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the exact plot yeah and yeah I
2: feel more for the dog <laughs> of course you do of course so, that was the genius for John yeah, Wick we've done it we spent genius. an hour saying yeah. it I know Vicky wasn't here though it's no me, missed you. that one you and Dave oh, Dave. Said, yeah.
1: Dave Dave the lads together yeah. Eh? Yeah. like it should be am I right talking
2: boys films <laughs> yeah you wouldn't have be loved because there's guns and stuff <laughs> uh, right then after the break uh, we'll find out what Michael
0: Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass.
1: So we're back
2: and he goes to kill Connor, uh, but instead finds Mr. Kelly there who has a message from John saying, just leave town, get out of here. But Michael has his own message where he kills him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's sort of it. There'll be some time before John reaches that message because he'll be like, Mr. Kelly's been gone for a while. <laughs> and then they have to go to the hotel room. But nevertheless, we're off to Chicago
3: where Michael believes he can get help. Chicago looks good
2: I was just about to say that yeah it's so yeah, it
3: looks cool looks amazing looks really good I found an interesting quote from Mendes saying I wanted to put a lie uh, a lie to some of the perceived notions about gangsters you will see no double-breasted pinstripe suits no spats and only one machine gun and that has a very specific and unusual presence in the movie so he believes his is, is a more realistic take on oh. what this would have looked like yeah which maybe is why I don't like it as much um, <laughs> but well I I think that's an interesting thing about these two movies is that if you didn't know history and you were coming to these blind and you asked you were asked which one is the comic book movie you would think untouchable oh yeah, oh, yeah. Such a it's such a, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. mad yeah yeah one's like a cartoon and one is this sort of you know feels like this
1: social art, realism yeah, yeah
3: yeah and uh Hanks uh, leaves
2: his son reading his cowboy book. Considering his someone's just tried to murder his son, he leaves him on his own twice inside ten minutes of this film.
1: It's like he he does good dadding and bad dadding. Mm. He's, he's, is, is he a bad or a good dad? Is a, the huge arc of the film? Yeah, but they say it at the start. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when Mike Junior spots Connor kill Finn, this is I think it's a bit heavy handed, but fine. The first thing Mike Senior says to his son, rather than "What the fuck are you doing here, is, "Are you hurt?" Good dadding. Bad dadding is, Mr. Kelly says, you should go to Ireland. You should go to Ireland. <laughs> like, you should just go. And it's like, all right, maybe you're, you know, in the sort of fury of what's happened. That's fine. But you do not then go to the next crime boss and say, I can work for you, having left your son in a library. Like, <laughs> that's bad dadding. <laughs> like, yeah. like, go straight. This I know that's not the film. It's fine because he's a complicated. He's a complicated man. People aren't just one thing. But he sh- he should take the straight path
3: now. I'm not sure Ireland is the safe spot though.
1: <laughs> Do you not think so?
3: Being that it's John Rooney, he's an Irishman, and I think this is why he's got to go to the crime boss. But it-
1: Mr. Kelly says John Rooney's mm. given you twenty five thousand dollars. You've got connections yeah, in yeah. Ireland. You should go. And in the inference is you'll be safe. And I think maybe no, the sure. story needs to say it. Like uh, Connor's moment later, where he sort of threatens Frank and is like, "I'm the future," and Frank's like, "Fuck you, whatever." is good because this man is an idiot and he's not capable of running anything let alone his dad's crime mm. empire so maybe if those stories kind of like co- coalesce or like peaked at the same sort of time so that you'd think mike sullivan senior of course you've got to kill everybody because if daniel craig's in charge you're never safe in ireland so it would make no difference yeah. where you were kind of thing no you're right you're right yeah yeah but then that might be rubbish because then that makes mike not complicated and this is making him complicated mm. Yeah, I do. I, I do know
2: what you mean. He's got a really clear cut out here, and he doesn't take it. He's and a tooth. And, and, yeah. and, and numerous points throughout this film, his son might die because <laughs> yes. of this decision that he yeah. makes here. Um, when Junior is reading his cowboy book, and he starts crying oh. in the library. So, what is that? Is that, in your opinion? everything just catching up with him? Or is he reading a cowboy book where the cowboy is the hero and he realises his dad is not that Mm. cowboy?
1: He realises all these silly things he told him. It's the loss of innocence, the end end of his childhood, all of it. Apart from the fact that his mum and brother are dead, which is horrendous, I think he's kind of buried that somewhere like that will be dealt with later. But on one level, he realises what an idiot he's been. He's been a child, and now he's not a child anymore. He's like, his life is so rude. I feel so, so bad for him. His life is fucked. <laughs> like, it's ruined. And it's such a sweet thing to be like, my dad's a hero. And then it's like, he isn't. Ugh.
3: Also, I've read that comic book, A Horse Just Got Shot.
1: And that, maybe that's all that it is. It's place. like me.
2: likes yeah. animals. Yeah. Can't yeah. have animals dying. I made that up. <laughs> uh, so, we get to meet Frank Nitty, Like you said, very different to The Untouchables, Frank Nitty. And... Um, Tucci is great and, to me, kind of saves this scene because this is just a mad scene that makes you go, Michael's an idiot (laughs) because he walks into a room thinking he's going to get a job Mm. and by the end of the meeting... I, I, I think in the in entire like history of movie meetings, a meeting has never gone so differently to what you imagined it was going to do. <laughs> Can I have a job? No, uh, you can't have a job. And also, if you go after Connor, no one will protect you, including me. In fact, I'll probably kill you and you need to just go home. Yeah. It's like that is not what Michael thought was going to happen in mm.
3: the room.
1: I thought you meant because... Um, Does that
3: have happened to you in a job interview?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Go home. (laughs) Or I will kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, He actually says to him,
2: You're not going to make it, Mike you'll die.
1: Yeah. I just got got thrown because he was like, I drove through the night for this and he's like, and you should drive back. And then he goes through the kind revolving door, of... mm. not really revolving door. And then there is Connor and John and it's like, he just said he drove all yeah. night. He got and, the train. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just felt a bit comedy. But...
2: It is. How did they get there? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I guess you, you know, you can uh, forgive Michael's misplaced optimism because like you say, uh, Newman had got to nitty first. So... John realizes Michael isn't going to stop until Connor's dead and we get that shot where there's a shadow right across the middle of his face and he's making a decision it's like which
1: way light or dark, light or dark. which way will you lean
2: <laughs> and uh, he says his favorite catchphrase at the moment god help me <laughs> like, anytime anytime michael comes know, to the I know it's like, just so
1: fucking serious oh, god help
2: me he's a, he's he's tough he is one tough ombre god help us uh, so Michael has to die. Nitty hires Maguire. Thoughts on Jude Law as Maguire? Before you say, I don't like him because I can feel it coming (laughs) to I absolutely love his character. He's great. The problem being that... I think I want to watch the movie he belongs in because it's sure as hell <laughs> like this one.
1: Maybe that's what it is that doesn't set, sit right for me. I think, I've thought about it a lot. I think Jude Law is a great actor, so it can't be the acting. I wonder if Jude Law, now and especially then, that's, a, that's one hot man, right? Mm. And I think we're meant to go, oh, he's so ugly! <laughs> like, look at Jude Law, he's made himself well, so ugly! That
3: was the big story. It's yeah. Tom Hanks is a villain and Tom uh, and Jude Law looks ugly. So this that is was a, the that's, story. That's a
1: superficial trick. It's a shock. It isn't enough to go oh yeah, you've got brown teeth and dirty fingernails and you're gross. It's just, it's too cartoony. He it belongs in a Batman film. But this is the thing, so considering like, a comic Sam, book, yeah. or a comic or a <laughs> <graphic> <laughs> novel, for instance. That's why it's
2: mad that Sam Mendes went, oh, I want to make something less pulpy yeah. than the graphic novel, and then, and then adds this character who wasn't in the graphic <laughs> novel that is straight out, like he's you say, a, of a pulpy graphic novel. The, it's the Penguin. It um, is the Penguin,
1: and also the, the tricks and the tropes that they give him are just, I feel like, I've seen it before, where, where he's rolling the coin, and he's He's rude to the sex worker, and he's a little bit d- dangerous. And you don't know what he's going to do. And he—I mean—I loved it straight out. The, you get, you know, he murders someone on the floor, and doesn't really seem to give a shit about that. Love all of that, but the way that he's hunched and he's—I don't know—I've just That's funny
3: like, walk. The funny walk. I just walk, feel like yes. I've seen it before. It's, I loved it. They—I uh, was reading about what they did to him in terms of you know sorting out, his, his changing his hairline, and they beat up his hands and they lowered his gum line. I don't know how you do that. Wow. <laughs> um, but I guess it's—it was this. Well, especially in hindsight, it's... But no, at the time, it's this countercasting as well, because I think if you were putting people in the roles you would think they belonging, Um, I think Daniel Craig would be the trained killer... And Jude Law might be the son who's a bit of a fuck up. Yeah, I feel like I've seen them in those roles. Yeah, and so I think it's, it it makes it. I think it makes it a bit more interesting seeing them in the roles that you're not expecting them to be mm. in. Sort of the wimpy son and the 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 train killer, the, the dangerous killer. Yeah, um, I don't know. I liked it at the time, and I think it. I think It. it I think it injects some energy into the film
1: he just doesn't see it's so weird they're like he's, he, this man won't stop da da, da da all of that usual gubbins but he's also a little bit of a wild card does whatever he wants you know the man on the floor who's been stabbed isn't dead I want to I will kill him mm. so he's also unpredictable and you can't tame him and you can't do whatever and it's like he, he, if he's your if he's your man also Frank Nitty's like I've got a man for this job I'll ring Jude Law Jude Law does not get the job done in fairness Frank Nitty must know tons of other people that could do it like why mm. is it all on Maguire's shoulders
2: but I think it's because no one would want the job of taking down Michael oh, Sullivan okay. except someone who's as unhinged mm. as Maguire. That's why he goes to him because everyone else would go, absolutely not. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's takes photographs of dead people and he then, it's just sort of a really weird aside that there is a market for photographs of dead bodies in the 1930s because he says anything I make on the photos I get to keep as extra on yeah. top of his fee. It Sort of feels like a whole other movie about, <laughs> about selling photographs of dead bodies. Yeah. Um, it's time for a regular feature on Clash of the Titles. Mm. Uh, he gets hired for $1,600. <laughs> it's inflation time. What would that be in today's uh, money? What year are we
1: in? <laughs> 1930. I, I'm good. Well, I think I'm going to have to. It's 3% a, a year, isn't it? That's cost of living. Right. Uh, cost of living increase. I've, I'm going to put another zero on it, Alex. That's what I'm going to do. Wow.
3: That's <laughs> quite a price there. $16,000. <laughs> I am asking our listeners tomorrow, whether they want a regular feature called <laughs> Inflation Corner with Vicky Crompton. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's going to be a resounding
2: yes. Do you know yes. what?
1: I'm so annoyed I didn't do it myself. I know. Because I do like this section. Oh, you have done it. I, I know you
3: done it. Okay, from here on in, every time, unless there's We've got one go, coming up. Hmm? When Junior asks for his share, his
1: dad
2: offers him oh, yeah, $200. $200. What is that? <laughs> You've got got it today's you...
1: money, £2,000. Perfect. It's a
2: guess. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, it appears that Nitty says, do not kill the kid, just kill Michael. And is it Maguire who makes the decision that he's definitely going to kill the kid as well when he draws the death face on the napkin? I was unclear whether Nitty's actually going, no, I'll kill them both. Because earlier oh, he said, yeah. not the kid. He
1: definitely said, not earlier, didn't mm, he? Yeah. Unsure.
2: I don't know. Uh, Annoyingly, we get another wake now. uh, I've seen a wake. I don't need another wake. I'm not even sure who it's for.
1: The wake?
2: The second wake. Is it for Mr. (laughs) Kelly? No. Or is it for...
1: Jesus, Alex, you (laughs) cold-hearted monster. It's for Michael's wife and child. (laughs) And he's on the phone and he... He says, how was it? He's talking about his wife you've and just, son. You've just
3: seen them be killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In quite a
1: big moment. You know, so if it was much... a
3: dog, I'd have remembered. <laughs>
2: hey, Tom
1: Hanks is amazing in that. How was it? How was the wake of your wife and son? Yeah. He's incredible. So
2: this is Michael's sister-in-law uh, yeah. we see here, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of convenience that uh, Maguire just overhears her yeah. on the phone to Michael and so can track where Michael is mm-hmm. Yeah, that point. Yeah. Yep. Useful bit of convenience. Um, so Sarah, this sister-in-law... Uh, so that makes more sense. I had the question, why is she at this
3: wake? Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's her sister. Right.
2: It's, it's her a, dead sister. Yeah,
3: got you. Got you. It's not the owner of a dog. It's a, it's a
2: sister. Yeah, um, she's top
3: of the list when you're putting out the invite. In fact, she's probably done the invites herself. Yeah, got you. And the food. That makes yeah. sense. All of it, really. Well, Michael's
2: not around. <laughs> makes no. a lot more sense now. Makes a, that's This whole sequence makes a lot more sense. <laughs> in fact, the whole film does. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I finally get the film. So she is the house they go to at the end, the one in perdition. That's yeah. her house. Yeah. Okay, so she's come to Chicago yes. for this wake. Yes. Yeah. And she'll be going back to the house in perdition. Why
1: it's a frustration because I love it in a minute when Mike says to his son, We're not going to Perdition anymore. You're like, cool, but it's the name of the film, so we're gonna do a whole switcheroo. That's awesome. But then when they go back to Perdition, it's like, why would you go you you're not that safe. Like, why would you go? You can never go to that place. That we've established that. You don't go there at the end to watch the sea. Like, do not go there ever.
2: Oh no, you can at the end. I mean, we're jumping ahead and I know how much you love going straight no, to the I, end. Sorry, right. we've been we've done long enough. I'm, I'm done. It's it's the fact that Capone says well, if you kill Connor, done, I, I yeah. have your assurance that this is done. Yeah. So they can go there. The weird thing is you expect to see Sarah and M- Maguire has obviously killed Sarah at the end, but mm-hmm. you just never get to see that bit. Yeah. So you sort of like, oh, she just died off screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right then. <clears throat> One of my favourite scenes in the whole thing uh, is the meeting in the diner. Jude Law as Maguire. All oh, that sugar. Simple thing. Great.
3: <laughs> it's a great scene. It's it's it's. It's one of those awkward moments, I think, that I keep bringing up about that diehard moment. We've got to have them meet in the film, mm-hmm. and so how can we make that happen? And why would they meet and he not kill him? So they have to do jump through some hoops, I think, yeah. for for Tom Hanks to sit opposite him in a booth and not get killed. Right. But it just they just it just about works. And unfortunately, a cop gets killed. Yeah.
1: I it's, thought he was gonna. I thought Mike's plan was. Pretend to be a bit of a doofus. Pretend to have a drink. Pretend to like not have all these faculties like in this moment. And then he says, "I'm going to go for a piss." And then I thought he was going to wait for Judo to follow him into the bathroom and then stab him with a knife. Mm. And then he just stabs the tire. God, I'm like, that's so boring. Can't
2: have Maguire killed this early. He's your big bad. He's the one hunting them. But he, picks you kill p- him at this point. It's like. So they're pretty safe
1: now, right? Well, I thought he would just hire someone else. He palms a knife and you're like, this is going to be awesome because that's a table knife and you're definitely about to kill Jude Law in the bathroom. Cool. Mm. No, just in the tyres. Uh,
2: right. So it's uh, time to do a shop right here. Uh, we've got a new plan, uh, as explained in a field with a big exposition dump. <laughs> so, uh, Junior, this is what we're going to do. We're going to steal Al Capone's money from a variety of banks to then blackmail him into mm. giving over Connor. Yeah. Mm. A lot there. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's And that's leverages. not even
1: what happens. It's... Um,
2: I, I, well, he leaves the money for the old couple. Like, all yeah, the They're money. dead now.
1: He's killed them. That you, that money, someone knows how to trace it. You've killed the only people that were nice to you. No, he hasn't because that's where the sun ends up at the end. Yeah, no. And then the gang will come and kill him. <laughs> that's what I thought. That <laughs> is Wrote not a nice... part two. <laughs> yeah, that is not a nice present that you've left for them. Yeah, um... Yeah,
2: it sort of just feels like a weird thing. I I think, you know, we often talk about the promise of the premise and this idea of, like, what you expect to see is... A road Hanks and son on the run, yeah. on a road trip, being hunted. And then we almost get just a completely different film here where they're sort of working together. I mean, obviously, I get it. a heist it's, movie. Yeah, they're yeah. bonding over this. He teaches his kid to drive. Normal and
1: more parent stuff.
2: The yeah. only bit of levity in the film is where he's heading for the truck and then he swerves at the last minute. It's yeah. nice. It's fine. It changes the tone, but it sort of becomes a very different film for a bit.
1: It does. I mean, and also, again, another moment where they're like, Tom Hanks is lovely, because the bank manager's like, what's going to happen to me now? And he's like, you can keep some of this, if this. And Mm. it's like, oh, he's a really good guy. Everything's fine. Mm.
2: Uh, And then this is where the Capone scene would have happened had it been kept in, which is where Capone's losing his shit about his bank's being robbed, so we get a reaction from him to what Hanks is doing. And then Maguire comes up with a plan, because this whole trap that they've set, this scene with Capone basically sets up the trap that Maguire has got a plan to trap Michael by saying oh, these her. files are in this hotel room oh, that see. he's watching across the street.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because none of it is so... I think this is a really great film, but it's so convenient. The plan was, which I like the switch, because it's like, fun, okay, cool. And then it's like, oh, we'll kill the accountant. Oh, look, these are the books. It's like, you didn't know they were there. And your plan wasn't to get the books. Your plan was to get the money.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what these books are to begin with. I didn't really understand that for a long time. It becomes clear eventually, but also... It's the ledger from The Untouchables.
1: It is, yeah. (laughs) But why are
2: you... Why, if your trap is to trick Michael into thinking the files are there, then only to go, open the chest, they're, they're here. not here! <laughs> Why have you actually then got the files with you? You don't need the files in nope, that room. You don't need the files for the trap. Perfect. Not as close to the fake files, anyway. <laughs> the lack of files should be the whole thing. They can't then go, the files are in the next room, though. It's like, don't bring them, because he yeah. wants them. I
1: was good when he opened the box, I was like, oh, you thought there was going to be money in the box? I didn't know, yeah. No.
2: Yeah, um, I, I, I really, really, really do not like... Maguire with the sex worker mm. because to me it spoils his character.
1: Yeah, he shouldn't be interested in anything. Exactly. Like that. Yeah.
2: He's like, the whole setup of Maguire is he's a freak with a weird
3: fetish for death. He yeah. just doesn't. It, it, he has be, no if need you need that like, scene, he should be wanking over dead pictures. Sure. Yeah, sure. cool. because <laughs> and apparently the only reason... and that is my favourite scene. In the, <laughs>
2: <room>. <laughs> the only reason that scene is there, apparently, and the sex worker is there, is to annoyingly distract him. He's watching the the accountant's hotel, and exactly at the moment she goes, "Can I be paid?" Mm. and he goes, "All right, I'll come over and make a, a bit of a joke with the money with yeah. you." That's when Michael arrives. You're yeah. like, "Oh, shut up!" <laughs> mm. It's so silly. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, it's all forgiven, though, because we got that great gunfight. Uh, I do enjoy uh, that little burst of violence. I like the fact that the accountant gets killed by bullets going through a wall. That's cool. Uh, and then the son looks after his dad and some of us cinema's most kindly old people. <laughs> don't tell the authorities. They are just the nicest, sweetest, no concern for bullets, old couple in Aww. the world.
1: Yeah, I, w- I wish there was a moment where they were like, they know he's, got, he's been injured by a bullet and there's just a little bit of grit in them where they're like, this is cool with us because in another yep. life we used to do this because
2: mm. it feels rushed this whole thing yeah. and i i'm not quite clear on the passage of time i know michael's recovering but then you know obviously the, the plan the, the bit where the, the the old woman goes he dotes on you yeah. about michael it's like it's nice mm. but it all feels like okay this feels strangely rushed i um, do
3: like the the stuff where michael uh, sorry junior asked michael why he was uh nicer to his brother than him oh. yep. And, and he's, he says, Peter was sweet, but you were more like me and I didn't want you to be. And it's like, wow, that's mm-hmm. that's a tough thing to put on your kid.
1: When he says Peter was good at maths and Tom Hanks doesn't know because yeah. he wasn't around and he just, oh, he says, was he? And the mm-hmm. way he says it, like, he doesn't want to be upset, but he didn't know that. Oh, God, too much.
3: Yeah, Get rid of tissue. <laughs> um,
1: although
2: I'm still a little bit confused about these accounts that Hanks is pouring over. I'm like, what are they? Yeah. And it sort of turns out that in these books is the truth that Connor was the one right back at the start it was Connor who was stealing from John his dad and he put it on Danny and that's mm. why they killed Danny mm-hmm. and so Michael feels bad for killing someone who actually was an innocent in all of this mm. and so he's now going to go tell John
3: what Connor was doing which, I bet Michael suspected it in the first place to be really? honest but he's just doing what he's told by by John But yeah we've got the whole we've just getting to a point where he's got his smoking gun we've gone round the houses yep. to to um, get that, get to that point.
2: So he goes to tell John uh, that connor has been stealing, but John already knows, obviously, you knew that was going to happen. And John tells Michael he needs to leave. Unclear if he's going to call Maguire off at this point. No. Yeah. So I think, I think at this point he needs to say, it ends here, I'll call off Maguire if you leave.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But by not saying I'm going to call off Maguire, you're like, well, is Michael going to kill him because... He knows he's not being truthful or is Michael going to
3: kill him because he still feels he wants to kill him? Mm. I think this scene doesn't have the dramatic impact that it needs. I think they think it does
1: because Mm. they give, it's like, I don't understand we're in a film, but it's like real people don't talk like this Mm. because there's quite a lot at stake. So when he says, go, I will mourn the sun I lost. You're like, to be clear, is <laughs> that me? <laughs> or is that, because
3: like, the whole point of this film is yeah. we're both like son. Yeah. One is your son, and yeah. I'm more like So your I get son. it because
1: it's a cool thing for you to say, mm. but it does which, cause me which some confusion. Which one am I in this
3: analogy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um uh, we glossed over
2: it, but you 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 mentioned that Hanks leaves all the money to the old people, which yeah. you think means they're gonna die. I do. I got a bit confused again. I thought he needed that money to blackmail Al Capone and say I, I thought he was going to go, I'll give you the money back if
3: you give me Connor.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Wait.
3: No, I, but I think he feels like he's got the smoking gun. And so once he tells John that Connor is the one that's stealing from his own dad, then yeah. he'll call him off. But right.
1: then he doesn't. No. And he says, I know he was stealing. So you, you've lost all your leverage. Yeah. OK, good point.
3: But he's I, not expecting John to do that.
1: OK. And also, was he leaving
2: the money because as well as all of that, it wasn't just like, a, by the way, thanks for fixing me up. It was, uh, look, if things go pear-shaped, uh, no. this is the money to bring up my son for the rest of my life.
3: <laughs> no. He's just saying thank you. Okay,
2: sure. Uh, So Michael kills John. Um, Mm. I I do have to say, he he seems to just kill John and all his men because he has a better gun.
1: Yeah, it's pretty easy.
3: (laughs) I mean, he can't be the first person to think, if I have a better gun than them... (laughs) Or a bigger gun. I'll just be able to kill them. Yeah. Ah, oh, so that's what Mendez was referring to when he says there's only one Tommy gun in the film.
1: Mm. Yeah, and you don't you only see the flashes, don't you? Mm. Yeah, you don't actually. See and
3: there's gun. no audio. It's a, it's it's a beautifully shot scene.
1: I just think you're the big boss. You've got five people around you. If one man with one gun can kill all of you because it's raining, yep. that's the problem. So I wonder if you know the scene at the end. They they show all the the witnesses. Is that to say, this would never normally happen because people don't want to be caught, but Mike has gone so far past that point he doesn't give a shit.
3: And isn't the point... But the point is Michael's John Wick. He's his best assassin. And Mm. so he's the guy that can take out four bodyguards. Because he's got a better gun. gun, That's that's it, though. It just doesn't feel like there's
2: any skill... In that, like Michael yeah. hasn't shown, like he, he's like he's my best assassin because you gave him the only Tommy gun. <laughs> if we all had Tommy guns, we'd be as good as Michael. Do you not think you should take it back off him or give more, us the same gun? Because he
1: kills the man, he kills the driver. So they go to the car, don't they? And they say oh, and then look, and he's the driver's dead. Yeah. You, I know this is cheap, but you want to see a bit more, like not him home alone in the place, but maybe a little bit like Mike has rigged things. So they micro micro, it is, micro machines
2: did not exist in 1931. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could stick a can of paint on a rope. That would. Whoa!
1: Paint a hole that <laughs> a false <full> through. Uh,
2: so, John's last words: I'm glad it's you. And Michael mm. Michael looks upset for a moment,
3: but then uses all the
2: bullets.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it like goes on a bit too long, well, it's not long enough. <laughs> it's Paul. New- this is Paul Newman bowing out of cinema forever. Mm. Um, he he said of why he took the part. He said he, he, um John goes through an interesting progression in the film. He starts out robust and powerful and full of vinegar, and becomes a man beaten down by tragedy. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, Oscar Oscar nomination worthy. Yeah, certainly, yep. no, they, nom- uh, no, nomination worthy. Yeah, not just
1: Oscar worthy. Just is it yeah, 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 just, tragic because yeah, yeah. his surrogate son is an obedient? Is a as a dog will do anything that he tells him to. So he's he's not failed there as a dad. I've not failed because although I'm it's emotional abuse, I've raised you to do exactly what I tell you. You do my bidding.
3: No, he doesn't because he told him not to kill that bloke, and he killed him at the start of the film. Mister Kelly yeah
1: oh yeah he's not that obedient he's not that obedient no, is he that because, was pretty
3: that was pretty specific because like, tragedy
1: is like you have to have done something to bring around bring about your own end and with connor he's failed because connor is disobedient always so i'm just i don't know i'm just trying to like pile a bit more into this father something anyway go ahead please
2: all right, uh, Nitty and Al Capone now decide to give up Connor on the promise that Michael will stop fucking up their shit. <laughs> hmm. Please, <laughs> enough.
3: Uh, so Michael kills Connor in the bath. Yeah, we've discussed this before. Hello. Yeah, that's awful. Not cool. Just not wearing slippers that would put, that yeah. would affect it.
1: It's just i it, I'm with you. Yeah. awful. You yeah. would you would immediately the first thing you do you'd cover yourself. Yep. You wouldn't even think I'm going to die. You'd be like, Oh my god! Yep. <laughs> oof, not if oof. you're Daniel
3: Craig, you'd get That's out very true, slowly Daniel, in yeah. slow motion.
1: What? Just, what? Actually, it, yeah? no, this is
3: pre Bond body, so maybe not. <laughs> I've told you before. If either of you find my body and I'm naked, put some
1: clothes put on, me. on you.
2: because on, on you, <laughs> Yep, that was what I said last night. Even by my, 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 giving an example of something that some,
3: still would be better than naked. Okay, yeah. Yep. Maybe there might be tights around your neck already. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't put a. I mean, that's. Have you shocked
0: yourself? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. I'm really sorry. It's fine. The fact that I didn't sort of go. Hang on a sec. <laughs> Told you a little bit too much. Oh. <laughs> the fact well, some, might be actually. The fact, what, that, what, what? The, the fact that Vicky got shocked on my behalf. <laughs> it speaks volumes uh, about my no. own personal. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm thinking about David interest. Carradine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's yeah. hobbies, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just don't put a top on me, but no bottoms, because I find God, that.
1: that's so much worse. That's isn't so it? much worse than being naked. <laughs> if there's only a t
2: shirt to have, we, know, leave me we naked. know
3: this. We know this.
2: Yes, we do. Uh, but the, the the tights around the neck is new, so that's something.
3: <laughs> Let's leave David Carradine Corner. <laughs> uh,
2: okay, so uh, Michael comes back, uh, his son is happy, mm. and they, they head to perdition. Mm. Um, now, sunshine. And- do you know, I, I kind of wish that the book that Michael had been re- young Michael had been reading for this whole movie, had been about the sea. So this was even more effective. Oh, like he oh, loved yeah. the sea. And mm. when he finally sees the sea, he'd never seen the sea before. That's a nice idea. Or oh, hell. Nice. Or hell. Because Doesn't petition mean hell as well? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I felt like an absolute idiot at this point because I genuinely was like, happy ending, this is just what I need. Right. I am so pleased. He's going to live, they're going to live happily ever after. Did you? Yeah, I I couldn't couldn't remember.
3: I'm pretty sure I thought they were in the clear as well, yeah. I was so, so you didn't see yeah. it coming. Yeah, not at all. And I, that's why I felt like an idiot, I like, oh, that Maguire! No. Well, that's a brilliant job by the film, isn't it? Because in hindsight, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. This guy's insane. He's yeah. not going to stop, but they,
1: they... Yeah, but that's annoying, t- because when you're dealing with gangsters, you're, like, you're dealing with code and honour and a set of rules, and you break the rules, and this happens. And you've got one man breaking it, which is Mike Sullivan Sr. Mm-hmm. He's gone against his father's wishes and done whatever. But then Maguire is just a rogue. Like it's it's kind of unfair because he could do anything. Maguire could decide, actually, do you know what, I can't be asked today and not do it. Mm. Or he decides, no, I'm going to finish the job. And making him so unpredictable and, quote marks, like film quirky, sort of film mad, I think makes the character, it's hard to latch on to why he does the things he does. And so it's just irritating that he turns up to finish the job. If he was blank face, cold-hearted, silent hitman. For his own professionalism, he finishes the job. But mm. Maguire's not like that. He's doing it because he likes it. I don't mm. know.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think there's a sort of... Even though he's got the filthy fingernails and the rotten teeth, I think there's a vanity about Maguire. I think he quite fancies himself. And I think it's the bit where he gets... What presumably he's going to have a scar after he loses part of his face or yeah. his ear when Michael mm. shoots him in the gunfight. So I think it's a it becomes a very personal thing for him at that okay, point.
1: Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Mm.
2: But as I said, uh, like an idiot, I was like happy ending. I was about to turn it off and go, that was nice, and I wish I had because <laughs> yes, Maguire turns up and kills, or almost, almost kills Michael, mm. and I think it's just such an effective moment where you're bleeding out, bleeding to death, you know you're going to die and you're watching the person who killed you set up a camera to take a photo <laughs> of <laughs> your newly dead body mm. which they're then going to sell for money. Wow, yeah. Mm. It's kind so of so grim. like peeping Tom. Mm. Yeah. Have you seen that film? Uh, yes, I did, yes. It's grim. Very grim. Very grim. We Very grim. should do it. Yeah, we should, yeah. Um, so, you think little Michael Jr. is going to be the one to kill Maguire, but no, he can't pull the trigger. He couldn't do it. Hanks's last thing is to kill Maguire, and so his son isn't going to turn out like him because he couldn't pull the trigger. Optimistic.
3: Optimistic. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great line with the kid. I mean, it's they're two very sad lines. The kid saying, I couldn't do it, mm-hmm. and that's so filled with regret, and then the dad saying, I know, mm-hmm. and that's a great line for him to go out on. <laughs> yeah.
2: And that's it. Uh, the kid sort of goes, oh, well, I can't stay at this place on my own, so I'll go back to that lovely, magical old couple <laughs> who have all our money. Yeah, hope they're not horror film farm people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he does remember to bring the dog with him. Love Yay! that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very important. Very
3: important. Very important. Um, Save the dog. I, uh, but he says in the voiceover that when he's asked about Michael Senior, he says, I just tell them he was yep. my father. Yep.
1: I don't think he should. That's not also not an answer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry,
3: was he decent or not
1: that's is the, the question.
3: question. <laughs> he was my father. Are you stupid? <laughs> I might just keep it a secret that Michael Seaton is my dad.
1: Yeah, that makes
2: sense. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Any more for any more.
3: No. All right. No. Shall we do the bits? Mm. Best scene, Chris. Um, I like the moment where Paul Newman says, I'm glad it's you and Tom Hanks face acting. <laughs> I've watched a couple. I watched Greyhound the other day. Um, he can just say so much without speaking. He's such. So, I, I think he might be the best ever at that. Oh, and well, that scene in Captain Phillips as well. Very Captain Phillips. Down. Exactly the ending. Yeah. Captain Phillips. It's yeah. just just close up on his face, and it's it's what a tool. So, not not a tool. I mean his face <laughs> is a literal. <laughs> literal. <laughs> he giveth and he taketh away. <laughs> Brilliant mean, face acting. Shame he's wow. a tool. <laughs> I mean his face being a literal tool of his trade. <laughs> um, I'll say no more. But yeah, that moment. Uh, Vicky?
1: I think Sam Mendes wants me to say it's rain, rain, death, rain. Mm. But I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm saying it's Paul Newman saying to Daniel Craig, try again. Because yep. it's fucking awesome. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think mine's that as well. Having talked about it, it's not what I have written down. I quite like Jude Law setting up the camera at the end as Tom Hanks' life ebbs away. But I think you're right. I think Paul Newman making... Daniel Craig apologised. And
1: him doing it. Like, not laughing, like, not just thinking, oh, I'll push this as far as I can. He's like, I will apologise properly.
2: Okay. What's your most valuable whatever, Victoria?
1: Tom Hanks. Really? Oh, my God, yeah. Wow. I just, it's everything that Chris just said about his tool face. Like,
3: (laughs) I just, I got
1: really weirdly nostalgic for him like I was trying to explain to Mark like he's such a big part of our lives Mm. in this way and I just got really weirdly nostalgic like one day he won't be with us and our kids won't really understand Do you you know something we don't know? No but it's just he's getting older and we're getting older Mm. and he's just been this huge presence in our lives and sometimes people are a huge presence in your movie life for reasons that are fine like Arnold or whatever but he's so fucking good (laughs) like he deserves it and yet he's so commercial this kid's got Mm. it all kind of thing and it's like to me it was like it's like you it's like seeing your actual dad like you've seen him so much in your life that I just felt very I just felt really grateful for him. I just went on this weird it's funny trip.
3: as well. I listened to an interview with him the other day and they, he starts talking about when I die mm. and that if they put on like a festival or something or screen my films he said there's the big there's the big hitters that everyone asks me about but the film probably that I'd think of the most is Road to Perdition. He said that thing you do was a joy to make and there was something about this film and the logic and the emotion of the character and the movie that doesn't get talked about and that's the one I'd like to be yeah. remembered for.
1: And it, it, like you say, face acting, like there's two moments where he's ringing his sister-in-law for mm. the wake of his wife and child and has to say how was it and the way he says it is just awesome. Mm. And when he, when his son says Peter was good at maths, like he only says was he and I was like, I'm going to never stop crying. It was amazing. Wow.
2: Chris, who's your most valuable, or what is your most valuable, whatever, in this film? Conrad
3: Hall, DP. Yeah, Uh, The film's dedicated to him um, because he died just after it was made. And I've found the production notes for this one. And so these are interviews done while they're shooting. And Sam Mendes says, I can't describe how attached I've become to him and how immensely grateful I am to him. When Conrad puts his eye to the eyepiece of the camera, magic begins. His artistry with light adds a dimension to the story that you could not have imagined. There is no such thing as an unimportant shot for him. And he can drive you mad spending longer to light than you're expected, but when you're in the screening room, you thank God every day for Conrad Hall. I think that's a beautiful epitaph. But yeah, it's it's one of the most stunning looking films you could imagine. And so, uh, amazing job by him. Um, Okay, my most valuable whatever... A Jude Law, mm-hmm.
2: I just, he was my number
3: two. Really, was he? Yeah, I like it. Oh, okay, him. good, like him. good.
2: Yeah, I just think he's brilliant. I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I kind of partially agree with you, V, that he does feel like a comic book villain thrust into a sort of super realistic movie. And I guess because that's, I kind of want to see the Jude Law movie more than I want to see this movie. Like he, uh, uh, I think you said it, Chris, he kind of electrifies proceedings. He's like, a, he it likes feels a fire like goes up a him. notch. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I just think he's a fascinating character. And I, that whole selling dead photos and like how weird he is. I, I'm totally sold on him. So, Jude Law.
3: I feel like Joe Pesci did a movie called The Private Eye where he was selling pictures of dead people in the 1940s.
2: Oh, you
1: could do what's it, the. What's the night crawler?
3: Mm.
1: Oh All, yeah, the, yeah, almost the same. Yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Right then, what indeed would you change about this movie, Chris?
3: I mean, this is annoying because you've said it a couple of times. I thought, oh, I've clocked a good one here. Oh. Um, <laughs> don't leave an old couple Al Capone's money because it will definitely get them killed. <laughs> I just
1: couldn't believe it. They, they, they're dead. Yeah. You've signed their death warrant. Yeah. I'm just think of, of all those, a simple plan is like, you are dead. Done. Yeah. Done Also, I didn't
3: realise a, a, who an actor in this, what he ended up doing. So I think an, an, a, a further ending could be, we know why this boy never pulls, up, pulls out a gun again because in the final moments, he pulls his shirt open Because Tyler Hoechlin is Superman now, and this is Superman's (laughs) origin story. This is how he became good. But he plays Superman now, you know, that little boy does. Yeah, he's grown up to be fucking Superman. In what? Lois and Clark, I think it's called, which is on TV now. Right. He's He's good. Excellent. Handsome boy. All right, what would you change, V?
1: Right, I believe that Mike Sullivan Sr. has been brainwashed and indoctrinated and is blinded by love, right? And he does terrible things, but he's always done them. And yet he has quite a normal life. Like he has a normal wife and normal kids, right? Mm. So how is that possible? And given that Annie knows everything about his life... Was he more normal with her, as in, when I'm at home, I'm not a cold-hearted assassin, mm. or she was he, has he always been a bit of a robot and he just parks his emotions and she just doesn't mind that? Like, I would love to... Imagine their first date. What is that like? Mm. He goes on a date. He, he can see a family. He can see a future for himself. He, he thinks he deserves to have that. Why shouldn't he have that? So these terrible things haven't made him into a Maguire character, which is, you're not, you know, you're outside of, like, human connection and everything else. He wants to have quote marks normal things and he thinks he can get them how is it possible that he can get them i just want to see what he's like as a husband i think
2: i imagine it would be she might have liked that kind of stoic yeah i think uh, so about him like you know he's you know you've seen that character before people who men of few words but who you know you will always be able to rely on and she wants to know that she's gonna always have him to rely on like he's a rock yeah. Maybe that could be it.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe I would, no, you shouldn't do it in Flash, but I would love to see their first date where you basically said nothing and she's like, that's cool with me. <laughs>
2: All right, my change. Uh, I've done a couple already. I Put the Capone scene back in. It's great and it makes sense of the trap that they set for Michael. Um, take out the Maguire sex worker scene because I think it ruins that character. Like I said at the top, I think Max Allen Collins was right. I think you need old Michael narrating this uh, in hindsight, you know, 30 Su- years. Superman. In the future. Superman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, <laughs> so your MVW was Hanks. Mm. This is Hanks' favourite film to be screened after his death. I feel bad saying it, but Tom Hanks doesn't work for me in this movie because he's Tom Hanks. You just, you need someone who you can truly ask the question of, is he a decent man or is he not? Mm. And you go... It's Tom Hanks. He's decent then. No, he's all right. Yeah, he's not a bad man. I just, he's like, he's so likable. It feels like, you, I, and I don't like it. I, like, I really like the scene where he's teaching Michael to drive and you sort of like, there's some levity there. And you get to see the Hanks that you love.
1: Yeah. And I'm
3: just, I, I don't love Hanks in that role. Well, there's a new film called A Man Called Otto. Yep. Just come out. It's all about him teaching a woman to drive. So go watch that. It's
1: <laughs> great. Wow, what a pitch. <laughs> and we are done. It's time for the verdict. Fucking hell.
2: You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I
1: want the truth!
2: It's time for the verdict.
1: No, we've done that! Right, Wait, I thought we'd stop. Right? <laughs> I thought you'd stopped. actually. Yeah, yeah. then you so, forgot. F you, <laughs> because I thought
2: <laughs> a bit late for self-editing. <laughs> F you, you mother Rip effers. F you.
1: <laughs> All right, fine, brilliant. So these are my choices. So I get to choose. I am not going first because okay. I still don't know. Hmm. So you, Alex, can go first. Okay, I think that's the
2: right choice because I think I've made it quite obvious. Uh, I, I did. I did quite like. Wrote a position. I thought it was good. It's solid. It looks great. It lo- like Chris said, it, it looks beautiful. It's not what I would want from a gangster movie, bearing in mind I don't even love the genre that much. I want something pulpy. I want something fun. I want something that feels like a comic book movie, which I know to is, and yet The Untouchables feels more like that kind of movie. And so I have to say it's The Untouchables because nothing in to compares to De Niro's performance mm-hmm. as Al Capone as well.
3: So my vote this week goes to The Untouchables.
1: Wow. And you,
3: it's interesting what you're saying about the gangster movie. Like the ones we've done, you you kind of want to watch a gangster movie because of the glamour which you've got in sort of Scarface and right. Goodfellas or that that twisted sense of family that's all in The Godfathers or you want like a mystery, like Long Good Friday or, or Carlito, who's going to kill Carlito. Mm. Doesn't really have any of them. But I think it's an interesting contrast here because in terms of morality, you've got the black and white in The Untouchables, you've got the grey areas in Road to Perdition, you've got that bombast of De Palma and that, that sort of low-key artistry of Mendez. But while every shot in Perdition, I think is a perfectly framed perfectly shot it's weirdly cold and passionless and almost surgical for me um i I do get the the emotion comes over me at the end but it takes too long to get there and and so while it hasn't got the depth or the truth to it that i think is in pedition, i'm going for the untouchables because I think it's as entertaining as cinema gets. Mm. I really do. Because you've got the dialogue, you've got the performances, you've got the score, you've got the set pieces, and it manages to make a bloke getting done for tax
1: fraud <laughs> absolutely <laughs> thrilling. <laughs>
3: well, we
2: have a winner, and the winner is the Untouchables. Uh, now, I want you to answer your verdict honestly. I don't just want you to throw a vote for Road to Perdition <laughs> if you genuinely... What do you, prefer- th- what do you think that little of Vicky? I just... I, I, just, I think what all you'd, of Yeah, you do. I don't
1: think you think you think- question
2: yeah. well, No, I don't. I just think when you when you were on the fence and you're like, oh, I want to just give it something at the end, yeah, but I don't want you to do that. I want you to be honest.
1: No, I did. I thought it was, it was basically some of it. You got to be honest with yourself. Was well. my expectations for Road to Perdition were quite low because I thought it was going to be boring. Mm. And I was when we got to the wake and the ice, I was like, oh, oh, this, and everyone is so good. Like Kieran Hines is only in it for like ten minutes and he's fucking amazing. Like, and it's just so classy. And the Untouchables is really light and it is silly. And I don't love Sean Connery in it. I think it's a bit ridiculous. And I don't, you know, Kevin Costner is brilliant at playing basically a bit of an uptight dude. Mm. And is that as engaging as watching Tom Hanks do his thing? Even, I know you don't agree with the casting. Um, so, really, I did it based on the pram thing <laughs> because um, Road to Petition has got these really quality ingredients, but they don't have Brian De Palma with the pram. So, uh, <laughs> it's the Untouchables. Oh, wow. Three
2: for three. The Untouchables is our winner this week. Fantastic. Uh, good work, everyone. Good work. <laughs> well, well, you're well done, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, Chris Bowman, I hope you are happy with the verdict. I think you will be. So, <laughs> Uh, Now, let's look ahead to next week. And uh, as we make our way gently into February, Fanny, who has the clue for us? Oh, Chris,
3: you did the clue on Monday. Remind us of the clue. It was hiding in Paris. That is hiding in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Chuffed. (laughs) Good work. (laughs) Um, And that's because weirdly, weirdly, both these films have scenes where the hero has to track down Mr. Hyde in Paris, now what's one of these films has come out Mr Hyde didn't operate in Paris. he operated in london make him have him in London for the second film, but um yeah, can I ask,
2: are we absolutely one hundred percent certain? I thought, and I haven't seen it for a long time isn't Hyde in Venice in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen?
3: Sorry, I wrote a rub spoiler <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. If he's in Venice, then uh, that was a really bad clue. (laughs) But we'll improve it on the internet. Yeah, yeah. On the Twitter. Yeah, so sorry for spoiling one of the movies, but what are we doing, Chris? We are doing The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. (laughs) What? (laughs) Versus
2: Van Helsing.
1: Yay. Brilliant
2: week. Probably one of the greatest clashes we've ever taken (laughs) on. Uh, But what you can't argue with it's a fair fight.
1: (laughs) You know, I love a fair
2: fight. Regardless of what you think of these movies, it's a fair fight. They inhabit the same zone. (laughs) So, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen versus Van Helsing. I can't freaking wait. Uh, Don't forget, as far as today's episode goes, you can have your say on Twitter about the Untouchables or Road to Perdition. Let us know how right or wrong you thought we got it when the listener poll goes up at ClashPod on Twitter. As Chris said, next week we are doing... (sighs) The wonderful pairing of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen versus Van Helsing. In the meantime, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday talking the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Do your homework. Bye-bye.
0: Clash of the Titles is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.